When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley and Nate Hansen. Max Barr usually on the ones and twos. He's got vacation time, some much-deserved vacation, but he'll be back and better than ever to start 2021. So that means the return of Rip It as well. Guys, it's time to put a bow on 2020, and we're going to do that. We have so much to, to dive into um, we're going to talk about just our our early opinions for the Blazers season through four games. You know, we saw them look really, really good against the Lakers, and then we saw them look not so good against the Clippers. So we're going to dive into that. And, of course, probably one of the more polarizing topics this early season, which is Carmelo Anthony, Gary Trent Jr., and just that rotation off the bench. So guys, I want to ask you just first and foremost, how's everybody doing? It's good to see your guys' faces doing this thing socially distant on Zoom. Jared, how's it going, man? Uh, pretty good. It's interesting it, how this podcast may have uh, played out if we'd recorded after the Lakers game versus recording after that debacle last night. But it is what it is. I mean, you're four games into the season. It's kind of like this across the NBA. You've got – and the Nuggets are one and three. Everyone's kind of figuring themselves out. So – you know, it's, it's going to be fun, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was a bit of a come down last night, that Clippers game after the Lakers win. Do you agree, Nate? I do. I'm not going to lie. I was worried for Jared after the opener <laughs> against Utah because Jared, you know, in the preseason picked the Blazers to be the second best team in the West and the way they performed that opener. I was like, Oh man, Jerry, maybe Jared may be going after the cherry pie early before Christmas <laughs> this year. <laughs> and then uh, we've kind of seen we've kind of seen full circle Blazers already within the first four games. It's hard to believe it's only been a week. Well, guys, we're going to get to that in just a moment. But we have a big time guest. Like, I'm really excited about this. I was up all night just thinking about, you know, how this conversation would go and, and um, really just excited uh, to talk to this person. This is as big as it gets for, for the three on three Blazers podcast. Uh, but without further ado, uh, U.S. Senator, Oregon Senator, Mr. Ron Wyden. Ron is not only a big-time Blazers fan, but he's also got some history with basketball and a love for the game. So we have to set this table there, uh, Senator, and talk about just your love for basketball and where it all started. Orlando, it's great to be with you. And you guys are mentioning you're putting a bow tie on the a year, the fact is the Senate is still going. I mean, we're going to be going into the weekend. We've still got another bill to complete. We're actually bringing in a new Senate session almost as soon as the past one ends. So it's great to have a chance to talk some uh, ball. I grew up and all I wanted to do was to play in the NBA. I finally got a college uh, scholarship at 6'4". And as I say in my talks, the NBA really wasn't going to happen because at 6'4", 
I was too small and I made up for it by being really slow. Oh, so it wasn't it wasn't going to happen. But, you know, I still think sports is such a wonderful connection. I know you guys want to talk about, you know, Ennis Cantor some, but just think about this as we kind of start this discussion. A Jewish guy whose NBA dreams basically got shattered in college has become friends with a Muslim guy who has essentially made it from his country to our hometown and has really people ask about him and politics and all the rest. He is so incredibly friendly. Ask about him in politics. He brings a shooter's touch to the whole political <laughs> game because everybody likes him. And I'm going to ask you about Mr. Ennis Cantor here in just a minute. But I understand that you have some game. Like, you can shoot the ball. And at one point out in D.C., like, beware. Because Mr. Wyden has a jumper and can shoot the ball. Can you just give us a little bit of backstory on this alleged shooting contest that took place? Well, with respect to the alleged shooting you know, contest, it took place in the house. And I was walking through with my oldest son. And they had a free throw shooting contest. It was kind of proctored and stuff like that. And uh, my son said, let's do this, Dad. Let's, let's play. And I was an OK free throw shooter. I was about 73, 74% in, uh, in school, so I was OK. But there were 50 uh, shots in the contest, missed the first one, ran the next 24, missed another one, ran like another 20-some, and made 47 out of 50. Uh, I will tell you, I live in fear that there'll be some charitable event and everybody say, Ron, shoot some free throws, and I'll make like 26 out of 50, and then everybody will call the big event uh, a fraud. But it was, uh, it was certainly a kick, kick in the pants. And the first thing Andrew Cuomo um, said to me when he got nominated for a federal position some years ago, he said, you really make those free throws? That's what I want to know about. <laughs> Well, Senator, if uh, if you're worried about looking bad at your next event, just invite any of us because you'll look you'll look a thousand times better having us shoot next to you. All right, anything for charity. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we can shine some light on that now. Uh, but so, did you ever get a chance to to play with anyone out in, in D.C.? I mean, like we always see videos that pop up with uh, Barack Obama, and and he's got a, a long range shot, but. Do you remember anybody else having game out there? Did you play? Well, Bill, Bill, Bill Bradley, of course, the New York Nick, who's in the Hall of Fame, uh, he and I have gotten to be good friends because he was on the Finance Committee. As he always said, we're the two tall guys who have served on the Senate Finance Committee. And I said, yeah, but Bill, uh, you're in the NBA Hall of Fame. I was a college scrub. And so... Um, my relationship with him has been a decades-long friendship. I'll tell you the Barack Obama story. Is Barack Obama was always so gracious, and he and one of his top staff, a guy named Reggie Love, who was also a ball player, were always saying, Ron, come on over and play with us. you got to play, man. We hear that um, you're a player. And I was always saving it for that one day when Oregon had something hugely important, some incredible uh, community project, and then I was going to go over 
uh, to play with Obama and he was gonna shame me and it was gonna be um, something that he'd have bragging rights forever. And then the clock just sort of ran, ran down. So um, I can tell you, he's the real thing now. Is you watch his, his jumper. We saw that jumper when he was on the campaign trail a couple, couple of weeks ago. Um, that was for real. And I've talked to people about it. I mean, he is a player. There were so many times where he had just that drain the shot in one take type deal where you can't duplicate that. It, no. it, it either goes in or, or you, you, you drop a brick in he, front of he, everybody. He, he, has, he has got game. And he, he also, if you look back at his record, was an incredible passer and team, team player. He would have fit in really well with the Blazers. <laughs> oh, oh man! Can you imagine a backcourt Dame, CJ, and Barack Dame, Obama Dame and, Dame and President Obama and CJ—that would rock. Uh, I wanted to know, Senator, how long have you been a Portland Trailblazers fan, and what's one of your favorite Blazers memories? Well, of course, '77 was the most incredible moment, and I've always been a glass half full guy. My wife will tell. You know, that is a, my my husband is just kind of Mr. Cheers. He's always going to be op optimistic, and so I think every season is going to be a repeat of '77. But that parade in '77 after the win with Jack and Bill Walton and the like. Bill Walton has also been a you know a great friend. Whenever I see him in an airport, because he's like six eleven and I'm six four, we recognize recognize each other and we always go grab a coffee or something. So um, 77 is for real Blazer fans. Look, we know what Rip City is all about and it's why Ennis is so important and what Bill did. Rip City is always about the relationship between us fans of which I am a very hearty member and the players who are so community minded. And so I think about 77 and I think about that, that parade and they'll never, you know, be a greater memory. We all remember Dame's big shot in the playoffs and, and like, and uh, I think that's why he's working so hard to bring a title home to Portland. That championship parade, if, if Damian Lillard and the Blazers ever are able to bring a championship home to Portland, I can't imagine what it's going to be like down Broadway in 2021 or 2022, whenever we, whenever there can be a parade again, what that atmosphere will be like in Portland. And the, and the other aspect of that is why it would be so exciting is that we know that those businesses downtown are hurting right now and working on legislation to help them and the like, God, it would be such a great shot in the arm of positive um, feeling for for downtown. I would love to see that 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 parade in uh, in 2021. What has the uh, last couple of seasons been like to see the resurgence of, of Blazers success? You know, having Damian Lillard at the forefront of this all and just pushing the team back into the spotlight. Not only to have that Rip City fever again, but nationally to make the Blazers relevant again. What has that ride been like for you? It's so exhilar exhilarating, you know, you get up in the morning, you know, sometimes I can catch a little bit of a, on the news and, and spots on TV. And of course, when I'm home, it's easier um, to get it. But um, it really has been inspiring. You, you see um, Dame and CJ have really shown what a great partnership they are. You know, people are talking about James, James Harden. Well, 
let's see what his what his plans are. But I sure don't want to break up Damon and CJ. I mean, they are an incredible team for us. Nurk has been such a strong force in the pivot. You know, Ennis has been unstoppable, and I say that apart from being being his friend. But um, I go back when I think about Nurk to Arvidas Sabonis. You know, Larry Weinberg and Harry Glickman actually sent me to Moscow to talk to the Soviets about uh, bringing Arvidas Sabonis. And I thought it was like out of the Rocky movie because I'm sitting there and talking to all these political leaders in, in Moscow. And I'm wondering, shoot, am I going to get out of here safely or, 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 uh, or not? Because every time I'd say something, I offered this letter from Larry Weinberg and, and Harry. One of them would go, yet. And I just said to myself, I don't think this is going too well. So um, Nurk and Arvidas Sabonis have, have a lot in common. I think um, Nurk is probably much more mobile than Arvidas because by the time we got him um, to the to the club, uh, he had gone through a lot of injuries. But I, I love this team. I think Robert Covington, Gary Trent, he, these are guys who are really going to contribute and do it quickly. And so one of the big things we wanted to talk to you about was just your friendship with Ennis that has developed over these years I thought it was interesting when Ennis came back for his second time when the Blazers traded to get him that he said, you know, within an hour of the deal going down and, and news breaking that one of the text messages he got was from you. So I'd like to take a step back and just talk about that, that friendship and how it all started, if you could. I, I think Ennis is really our kind of guy. He's soft-spoken. He's got a winning smile. He's always interested in helping out in the, in, in the community. I didn't know we were having this podcast now. I thought it was somehow in January. He and I have texted a bit just in the last uh, uh, couple, of, uh, couple of days. You know, it's not like we're teammates on a high school basketball team and, you know, we're texting every night, you know, about, about practice. But he's been off to such a great start. He's got some great ideas about community service. And he said, look, Looking forward to getting together. Got some ideas I want to uh, bounce uh, bounce off you. And the way it really came about is that you know he was um, in our uh, community and he had a real problem. You know he had a problem where uh, Turkey's president Erdogan, you know, a real authoritarian, stripped him of his passport, harassing his dad and his family, and basically encouraging other countries to arrest him. So. We just got together, and uh, I remember a great uh, little press availability. I remember Terry Sutton just smiling through the whole kind of thing. He would seem to be watching. And um, I basically said, look, Erdogan may not be paying attention to this, but he ought to know that he can't bully one of our own. And uh, then I went on the floor of the Senate, and uh, Trudeau stepped up, the Canadian um, leader, to make it clear he wasn't going to let uh, Ennis get uh, hassled if we had a game in, in Canada. We were hoping for that uh, in the playoffs. And uh, it's just it's just been a wonderful friendship. And I remember seeing the news that Ennis was back and I just threw my fist out and I said, yes, we've got Ennis, Ennis back. And uh, he, uh, he, of course, is off to a really strong uh, start. I think one of you guys wrote something. Can anybody stop Ennis Cantor? <laughs> you, yeah. sure can, you sure can't stop this guy's really warm, gracious, community-oriented style, which I think is why he's so popular in Oregon. Yeah, I think that was the collective reaction of the entire Blazers fan base when they traded to bring him back. I mean, I, I don't remember seeing a single negative 
tweet and reaction to it, it happening. And uh, that's not always the case of Blazers fans. So he's, he's definitely been a fan favorite from the start. And, and, and he reciprocates, you know, the second yeah. he said, Hey, look at all these people in Oregon that are giving me um, this incredibly warm welcome. And it's his first comment. I remember he was on a show or something. He goes, it's not always that way in every other city. And he was really tipping his hat to Oregonians and the fans right from the get-go. We saw him after the tw- after he got traded back to Portland. He tweeted, home sweet home or returning home, something along those lines. And that's one of the things that makes this Blazers franchise actually really special is it's not that way in a lot of cities where Blazers fans, they want to have this connection with the team. They want to have this community connection. They want their players to be good guys, good players on the court, but also good people off the court and be involved. And you don't get that in a lot of cities. So it's really cool to see Ennis come here and embrace and be a part of that. Ennis mentioned to me, Nate, uh, that the second he got off the airplane, you know, coming back and get, getting ready for, uh, for, for training, he felt that, that warmth, that kind of um, Oregon community, community spirit and said again that uh, people uh, should know that this is not the way it happens when you get traded typically. When you get traded typically, you know, you're busy trying to figure out where you're going to get a roof over, over your head and you're going to be by yourself. And he felt like right away he was part of the Oregon family. What did you think about the, I guess, him being willing to put himself out there the way that he has with thing i mean this is a, a risk for for everything that he's doing and, and what he's saying and to to be able to stand up for what he believes in what have you thought about the, about all of that to use his platform for that um when he could easily not i i admire his courage in terms of speaking out against erdogan so much you know i'm on the senate intelligence uh, uh committee i'm not going to get into anything uh classified but you know, Erdogan is one authoritarian leader. And this, this is somebody who is really tough with respect to making sure that people um, who disagree with him know that he is not going to just, you know, quietly um, ignore it. And I just appreciate the fact, and Ennis and I will have some more to say about some upcoming things that uh, we've been doing before, uh, before too long. I just appreciate the fact that here's a young guy with a winning way who easily could say, you know, I'm coming back. The team's just getting started. You guys mentioned, you know, the four and four, uh, excuse me, the, the two and two for the first um, first four games. And we thought we were going to be in the NBA finals after the Lakers. And then we saw the second game. And I'm not down about that. That just meant that we've got a big group of young guys who are just basically getting acquainted. So this is not, oh my God, <laughs> I got a perk. You kidding me? My buddy is right there. Dennis, we're bragging on you, man. Uh, hi, hi, guys. How you doing? <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Ennis, thank you so much for crashing the party, man. Is this my, is this my, is this my New Year's gift or what? <laughs> yeah. We are actually uh, practicing. This is our locker room right now. I'll show it to you. Yeah? Wow. Yeah, we are actually in the locker room uh, getting re- re- ready to play against Golden State tomorrow. But I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> Anna, we've been um, telling, telling stories, and I was just saying how proud I am that you've been willing 
to use your position, not just to help the community, but to take on Erdogan and promote human rights. So right. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week, hopefully, buddy, when I'm home. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm really excited, Senator. First of all, I mean, you know, I played in a lots, lots of different states, lots of different city, but, uh, you know, I never seen uh, the, any kind of leadership like you, you have, you know. Oregon's should feel, I would say, very lucky to have a, a leader and a friend like you who cares about people, you know, who cares about uh, the community. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's just so amazing. And we are all feel, uh, should feel so uh, lucky. So really uh, appreciate it. Well, back, back at you, Ennis. And I was telling everybody that I've been reading the stories about how you might want to go into politics some yes. I'm going to head senior citizens for Ennis because you got <laughs> such a warm way with people. I describe it that you got the shooter's touch for public service. And we'll talk about right. that next week, too. For sure. I'm a, it's actually, you are one of the biggest reasons that I want to get in politics because I see the leaders like you can make a big change and impact life and touch hearts, you know? So that is like, uh, you inspire me and I'm sure you inspire so many people and also our young generation out there. So you are definitely one of the biggest reasons that I want to get on politics. And uh, I think it'll be a really good start with your help. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna have a lot to do in the days ahead and the community is so glad you're home. When you said, I feel like I'm coming home, all of us went, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were one of the first, you, you are actually the first person, like before uh, before anyone, actually, you and Damien Lillard were the first person that texted <laughs> me. And I was like, man, this feels special, you know? So it was, it was nice, nice to see your name on my phone. It was, it was exciting. So you guys playing tomorrow night? Yes, we are actually playing. We just beat the uh, Lakers, you know, and uh, now we're going to play, play, play against the Golden State twice and uh, come back home. All right. Well, I'm going to be home next week, and um, we're going to find a way to catch, catch up. I dangled it out a little bit, and it's without giving away uh, what we've been working on, that we might have a little bit to say about a couple of projects here before sure. it's too long. And I really want to commend you for taking uh, the lead on these human rights issues. It's so easy, people say, well, somebody is gonna lose out on a contract or right. some money, and nothing is more important than human rights, and that's what you stood for. For sure, thank you, Sandra. I really appreciate it. It means definitely a lot to me. All right. I gotta get back to practice, guys. So, <laughs> see you, buddy, next week. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, Ennis. Take yep. care. That was amazing. I'm glad that uh, Ennis was able to to um, crash the party for a moment here. Timing couldn't have worked out any better. Um, but but Senator Wyden, uh, you guys uh, basically answered all of the other questions I really had, and I'm glad that you were able to give us a little bit of a tease on something that's ahead. Well, the the best thing about looking forward, and that's where we are. You know, we're going to start a new year tomorrow. Is when you look what our players like Ennis are doing for the community and Dame is the same way and CJ and, uh, and, and the like. And, you know, we're going to have the vaccines and the like. We've got a lot to be positive about going into, uh, into 2021. 2020 was, was brutal. I just finished up 
uh, discussion about 2020 and I was describing the fires, you know, one of my calling cards has been having town hall meetings, you know, open to everybody. I've had like almost a thousand of them. And I couldn't believe that in 2020, I'd be in Southern Oregon and I'd have a town hall, I'd have a discussion about some of the consequences of fire. And I would be standing in a place that was very close to where I had a town hall meeting and all the town consisted of, the neighborhood was dust. There was nothing there but dust. The fire was so hot and so powerful. So when we think about 2021, we're gonna come up with some new policies to help those communities. We're gonna have new community leaders like Ennis Cantor and Rip City's always been about these um, players who uh, like the opportunity to serve off the court as well as being outstanding um, players. And that's exactly what we need for a brighter future. And uh, I just appreciate what you guys are doing and let's put this program um, it's got to be over for now, but let's put it in the to be continued department. I'll come back. I love it. Oregon Senator Ron Wyden, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Went way over. So I appreciate it, man. I hope that this was a little bit of time away from work and uh, you, know, you get a little bit of a boost, man. And this was an incredible bonus. Big thing. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Thank you, See Senator. You. Guys, guys. Uh, <laughs> This turned out to be an awesome podcast before we even got to the three questions. Somehow it didn't even involve Rip It. <laughs> but guys, this was so cool. I just want to get your your reaction uh, to getting the chance to talk to Senator Wyden and also to, to hear that relationship that is, you know, blooming between him and a Portland Trailblazer. I mean, it's obviously a very sincere connection uh, between the two. When they when they saw each other, you could see it. That's not that's something I wish all the podcast listeners could have seen is when Ennis showed up because we're doing this by Zoom. Mm -hmm. And when Ennis randomly popped into the meeting, the look on Senator Wyden's face was just like a look of love and brotherhood. Mm -hmm. Like one of his best friends just showed up and he was completely surprised. We didn't know Ennis if he would be able to make it or not because of his schedule with the Blazers today. And that that's pretty that's pretty special and that's pretty unique and it, it's very real. So that was cool to see. Yeah, best podcast ever, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Senator Wyden, so personable, uh, great stories to tell. I wanted to hear more about his trip to Moscow after they drafted Sabonis. That's so interesting. Um, you can tell that he's a lifelong True Blue Blazers fan. Uh, just great talking to him. And yeah, when uh, when I saw it pop up. Ennis Cantor's iPhone is in the waiting room. <laughs> I got goosebumps. <laughs> That's so awesome to have him step into and to be able to just listen to the conversation between those two friends. Uh, yeah, outstanding. Yeah. The, the other it. thing, the other thing I'm gonna be looking forward to is you know you 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 asked him about uh, Pre President Obama and his shooting stroke because I'm gonna be looking for now some video on social media someday of Ron White and now that we know that free throw story of him just. Uh, <laughs> nailing one and walking away with some showmanship. I'm be on the lookout for that now too. Oh yeah. Uh, those two have to play horse. I mean, that has to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, I, um, I thought that was so cool. I had messaged Ennis a couple of times and, you know, uh, he was supposed to have treatment um, even eight minutes before um, he joined the chat. Uh, he was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. Please tell him I said hello. And 
So it truly was a, a surprise that we didn't know was, was going to happen. I just uh, thank Ennis for taking a few minutes to be able to do so because this is like an H&P day for the team, a chance to really just get away from everything and, and you know work on their stuff, to really focus in on uh, the rest of the this road trip. So I uh, can't thank him enough, and obviously Senator Wyden for joining us for about a half an hour. I mean, come yeah. on. Like, that is so cool. So. Yeah. For them to be this gracious with their time was, was awesome. It's um, all downhill from here now, man. Yeah, yeah. If you've made it this far, baby, it ain't getting any better. <laughs> now people now people got to listen to us for 20 to 30 minutes. I promise it will be good, people. Don't stop listening now. <laughs> well, let's see. We're going to see if, if Nate can, can hold up his end of the deal on this one. But you guys know how we roll. We've got three questions. There's three of us, so you know there's three answers. And let's let's dive right into question number one here. We've got four games into the season. What are your general impressions of the team so far, Jared? Well, you know, they've been either very good or very bad. Um, they were great in the second half against the Rockets. They were awesome against the Lakers. And they were terrible the rest of the time. Um, but, you know, it's kind of been that way in the NBA this season, just a very up and down start for a lot of teams, even good teams. I mean, you look at Denver, they're one and three. So I'm not worried about the Blazers right now. It's four games. But objectively, if we're looking at it realistically, they've been bad. Um, if you look at the stats, they're not pretty. They're 15th in offensive rating. Um, we talked all about the defensive improvement, and we know that's going to take time for them, them to gel. But they're 29th in defensive rating. That's not good. Uh, 28th in net rating. They're not rebounding the ball well. I thought that we'd see better rebounding. They're 23rd in offensive rebounding, 15th in defensive rebounding. Um, they're not, you know, forcing a lot of turnovers. We thought that might be something with Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington and all the deflections. They're 25th in opponent turnover percentage. By most team stats, they've just been really bad. Um, they are doing a couple things well. They're not fouling, which is not you know, common with this roster, uh, second fewest fouls per game in the NBA, and they're not turning the ball over. They're taking care of it. Second fewest turnovers per game. And I also, one thing I like is they rank second in the number of three pointers attempted per game, which is something I've been wanting to see from them for the past couple seasons. They're, you know, putting up about 43 pointers, uh, three pointers per game. Their percentage right now is middle of the pack, but they're a better shooting team than that. And when you look at it individually, you can really see three players. You can maybe pinpoint three players who are playing well. CJ McCollum's playing really well. Gary Trent Jr. is playing really well. And Ennis Cantor has been playing really well on offense. Um, Damon Nurk have been either inconsistent or pretty consistently bad. Uh, Mello has been up and down. Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington are a revelation on defense. They're a lot of fun to watch, but they've been terrible on offense. Between the two, they're averaging about 12 points per game. They're shooting 31% from the field and 25% from three. In order for the defense that they're providing to really have value, they at least have to be passable on offense. So it's been a rough to start to the season. Again, it's just four games. I'm not worried about it at this point, but objectively they've been pretty bad to start. Yeah, this is uh, this is just going to be a work in progress, I think, yeah. is what this is showing us in four games. And I think we all knew that going into the season, that the start of the year potentially – could be a little bumpy with some new pieces and for a lot of NBA teams, Jared, as Jared pointed out, you know, we saw the heat lose by 40 to the bucks and then beat them the next night, you know, so this isn't just a blazer specific problem, but 
it does seem like we've seen a lot of different Blazers versions of this Blazers team yeah. through four games. And so that tells me this team doesn't know what they are yet, and they're still trying to figure it out. And so it's hard to take any conclusive judgment and project that forward with this team as to where they are. To me, Jared's right. They haven't played well for the most part. Uh, he, he nailed it on the three players who have, that you can make an argument, have played well. The rest have not. And this is going to be one of their, what they just went through these past four games is going to be one of the toughest stretches of the schedule that they have all year. Yeah. Like the Rockets probably aren't going to be that great, especially with the roster they threw out there against the Blazers. But, you know, the Jazz, Clippers, Lakers, those are all going to be playoff teams. I can I feel very confident saying that. And they all may be top four or five playoff teams in terms of seeding in the Western Conference. And they got through this stretch two and two, which yeah. I think all of us would have taken a week ago. So despite not playing well, and the defense, Jared's right. There, there are a lot of defensive statistics where they rank in the lower third of the league right now. It's not pretty. But they've managed to find ways to – they've found a way to come back and beat Houston. And then they put together – they put to, the thing that gives Blazers fans hope is that Lakers game. We saw them compete with one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NBA, and play at their level. And it didn't it – it didn't feel like game one of the playoffs last year where it felt – well, this doesn't feel like something the Blazers can consistently do. That performance seemed like a performance the Blazers can put on night after night if it were if they're in you know playoff intensity level. And so since we've seen that, uh, I'm a lot more calm than I probably would be otherwise. But I mean, it's all about wins and losses, really. And right now they got through it two and two. And like I said a week ago, I think we would have all taken that through this four game stretch. Yeah, I love I love that uh, because yeah, if you presented that to Blazers fans, and you said you're going to split between the Lakers and Clippers. You take it. I mean, you would imagine imagine telling a Blazers fan after the opener against Utah that through this mm -hmm. stretch they're going to finish two and two. No one would have believed in any way that the Blazers would have won two of the next three when two of them were against the Clippers and Lakers, and they managed to win one, and they did so in a really impressive fashion. We saw, I think, their ceiling, and we saw their floor. We saw how good they can be, and we also saw how bad this team can be. But your two games where you got blown out, I mean, Damian Lillard was non-existent. You know, the, the, the opener, he was scoreless in the first half. And then uh, in, the, in the game against the Clippers, he has one field goal in the first half. Like, as, as good as this team is and the improvements that this team has made, if Damian Lillard doesn't have a good night, it doesn't matter because that is your guy. That, that is your superstar. So he has to be better as, as – Jared pointed out and this team overall does. And I would just say to rip city right now, chill out. Like it, yeah. it, they're, they're two and two right now. Like let's, let's not panic. There's a lot going on. They've made a lot of changes to that defense. So you can't expect everything to click four games into the season, but I think that you should, you know, don't just don't lose it, but know that this team can be really good. Um, and you saw it in the, in the way that Nate described the Lakers game was definitely how I felt. I didn't feel like that was some type of fluke. I yeah. thought, okay, this is, this is the team when they look cohesive, when things are clicking. Okay, so now how do they duplicate that? Let's, let's see them apply it to another game. And I think that will be more of their challenge now because even Dame had mentioned in the uh, Clippers post-game press conference and also uh, it, in the, uh, the first game of the season – and that was, yeah, we're still figuring this thing out. We need a larger sample size when it comes to this team. So let's go through these things. Let's let's start to figure things out. Let's watch the tape and actually get a chance to adjust to things. So 
right now, my level of concern is so low. Uh, I'm, I'm not that worried about this team right now. And I mean, luckily for the Blazers, you know, they got through this really tough stretch and now they're going to have, we'll get into their future games later on, but they're going to have a month here where the competition is not going to be as good as what they've seen through the first week and where they'll have an opportunity, hopefully to figure out uh, how this team best fits together and pick up some wins while figuring that out at the same time. You know, if they had a really tough schedule over the next month, that's not a luxury they would have been provided. And that's going to be an opportunity they have ahead of them. So players who are playing poorly right now, you expect that to turn around. I mean, Damian Lillard's not going to continue to play this poorly, you know, the rest of the season, you expect Nurkic to get in shape and, and start to play better. Um, Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington, neither of them are as bad offensively throughout their careers as they've shown in these first four games. So I think that it, it, it's looking up, even though they've been, you know, bad statistically through the first four games, like Nate said, they're two and two, super tough stretch of games. And so I think that you can go into this being optimistic about them going forward. Yeah. Like this was not your normal off season. They didn't get that training camp. Like, and that's why you're seeing so many blowouts in the league right now, because of this, like they're trying, every team is trying to figure things out and, and you're seeing, you know, the Clippers down 50 at halftime, you know, yeah. like these are stuff that don't happen. And it is because it's based on just a weird year where things are out of the ordinary. But guys, one of the, the big topics that was kind of looming in the offseason and has now become real and people have been able to voice their opinion on it because now we've seen it in a it, game or it, two. It didn't and, take uh, long, did it? <laughs> no, it really didn't, guys. And, and this is a, a, a topic that so many people have an opinion on. So let's dive into question number two. Um, and, you know, it was the one game that Carmelo Anthony didn't play against the Lakers. The bench tore it up and and – Gary Trent Jr. went off. He was incredible. So, guys, what's the best version of the Blazers bench? I mean, right now, it's fair to say that the best version of the Blazers bench, as currently constructed, has Melo playing fewer minutes than he is. But is that, you know, a realistic possibility this early in the season? No way. You know, there were definitely concessions made to Melo to convince him to come back to Portland. They told them, okay, you'll be coming off the bench, but you're going to play in important key moments. And so we have to look at this from, a, to me, from a perspective of, look, Melo was promised minutes. They're not just going to take them away from him four games into the year, you know. And so how do you go about adjusting the rotations? And to me, it's not just about the bench rotation, although right now it probably is just because of Rodney Hood's uh, minutes limits. But I think the best rotation options come from a mixture of probably tinkering with the starting lineup too, as well as the bench, the group that comes off the bench, because while the starting lineup has had their good moments, like the teams in general, you know, they closed well against Houston and they closed great against the Lakers to finish off that one. But as a net rating, they're minus 15, almost that group of five, that starting lineup. So that's telling me as a whole, like they have their moments where they're really good. But as a whole, they have yet to be consistently very good. So maybe we need to look at the starting lineup and think, is there a way, can there be one person we plug into the starting lineup and bring to the bench that can make it better so that the bench is more efficient so that you can have Carmelo Anthony play these minutes that he's going to continue to play. Like he's going to get 20 minutes still a game. 
And we saw last night, at least he was making his shots against the Clippers last night. A lot of other factors went into why that game wasn't a blowout. It wasn't because of Carmelo Anthony. Uh, but those first two games, uh, he played a real role in the, them losing the first game against Utah and then getting so far behind in the Houston game. So is there a rotation that Terry Stotts can tinker with to try to figure out a way to kind of massage this? Because that's what he's going to have to do is you can't play Gary Trent five minutes and 55 seconds like he did against Houston, but you also can't not play Carmelo Anthony because that's not an option. And so there's got to be some massaging and some tinkering with this lineup. And so far, they haven't played any other lineup more than 10 minutes together yet this season through four games. So we really don't know, other than the starting five, what other lineups may or may not work together outside of that bench lineup that we know it has been no good of Mello, Cantor, Hood, Gary Trent Jr., and Dame. That first mostly full bench unit that comes in, they've been awful. They've been negative 37 net rating. We know that one's not effective. But there are a lot of other uh, possibilities out there that, uh, it, again, it's going to take time. And that's what the beginning of the season typically is about. You know, usually October, November, we've seen Terry Stotts do this. You know, he's trying to figure out the best rotations. It just seems there needs to be a little more urgency now because we're heading into the new year and games, you know, games are every other day, if not back-to-backs. See, I don't think there's a problem, honestly. I think that this is overreaction to a couple of games at the start of the season. The bench isn't going to be very good defensively. We know that. Now, you've got three bad defenders playing minutes off the bench in Ennis Cantor, Carmelo Anthony, and Anthony Simons. None of them are good defensive players. The whole thing with this bench unit is that you expect them to be able to have the firepower to outscore the other team, the other team's bench unit. And they, have the, they should be able to do that with the, the players they're putting out there. I think the best iteration of the bench is Trent Jr., Mello, and Cantor getting the bulk of the minutes, all of them playing at least 20 minutes per game. And Hood's also going to see his minutes. He's getting about 15 right now. He'll see that start to inch up as, as he gets uh, more acclimated to coming back from his injury. But that's it. I think it should be a nine-man rotation, and I think those four should get 20 minutes a game, and it's doable. I mean, if you, if you map out the minutes, that they, they can do that. What should never happen again, and I think the reason this is a story, is Gary Trent Jr. should never play five minutes in a game again. I don't know why that happened. He's too good to play five minutes in a game. He needs at least 20. I don't think Anthony Simon should be getting any playing time right now unless there's significant foul trouble or it's a blowout. It's not a competition between Simons and Gary Trent Jr. Trent Jr. is significantly better. So we need to stop pretending or Stotts needs to stop thinking that it is. Even I'm willing to admit that. Yeah, <laughs> and you're your boy. Your boy. I know. Even I'm willing to admit that. And I even think, I mean, there's been this whole narrative that like can't play Mello or whatever. Come on, it's completely overblown. Mello's not a good defender. We already knew that. Nobody should expect him to be out there shutting guys down on defense. This bench is going to give up points, but Mello's out there to pull the defense in his direction and score points. He played bad against Houston. He had five points. He missed seven of nine shots. That was a bad performance. But in the other two games he's played, he's averaging 15 points, five rebounds, and 25 minutes per game. And he's shooting 47% from the field. And he's getting to the free throw line eight times per game. There's nothing wrong with that. He needs to post up less. He needs to space the floor more with catch and shoot threes. He's a smart player. I think he's going to do that. He needs to pass the ball a little bit more, but he's fine. I mean, this is Carmelo Anthony. We know what he is. And he's 
basically providing that other than a bad Houston game. As for Gary Trent Jr., he's a stud. And why he didn't play in the Houston game, I don't know. Um, you know, he's averaging in the other two games, other than that Houston anomaly, he's averaging 19 and a half points and shooting 63% from three. And Gary Trent Jr. is incredible. If he ever plays less than 20 minutes a game the rest of the season, I don't, I don't know what Stotts is doing. Jared, like, don't stop talking right now. I mean, <laughs> Jared, I thought you I've been fire, bro. I was afraid Jared was about to curse on the podcast. And Jared, just for podcast listeners know, Jared doesn't like ever curse, like no. ever. And I felt like he was about to, you know, maybe drop, maybe throw some four letter words out there. He was, you get, he was fired up, man. It's building. It's Actually, building yeah. inside Jared. I have a curse word in my notes here. So <laughs> <laughs> like that has to be one of Jared's best segments. Like, I mean, he's had story time is untouchable. <laughs> But in terms of just Blazers heat, like, that was so good. Um, Jared, I 100% I agree with what you're saying about Carmelo Anthony. And, uh, I mean, you know how I feel about Gary Trent Jr. in our preseason predictions. Like, me seeing that was just, like, affirmation. I was like, this is what I'm talking about right here. <laughs> Free Gary Trent Jr. Let that man play. So, uh, but, yeah, I totally agree. This is another social media overreaction. However you felt about Carmelo Anthony, this was your opportunity to let it out. <laughs> like that's all this is right now. And four games in, like I said, like, let's chill. Let's not panic. Like there's still so much more basketball to figure out. We know that Terry Stotts is going to do, is going to make adjustments. It's what he does at the beginning of every season. We talk about this at the beginning of every podcast for the beginning of every season is how is this team going to make adjustments? Like that is what he does. He tinkers with the lineup. And so this, this is the player that Carmelo Anthony is. We've known that as Jared mentioned. So I just, I love it, Jared. That was, that was so money. I mean, I, I, that's just, that's the point at where I'm at with Carmelo Anthony and the Gary Trent jr. Like find time for Gary Trent. And it's just that that, that was so extreme. The, the five minutes. Yeah. And so, and, and maybe, you know what, maybe Gary Trent Jr. should have a couple more five-minute games throughout the season just to get him that charged up, man, because that dude came out and was gunning, man. I loved it. It was so good. And the five-minute thing wasn't even a, about Gary Trent Jr. versus Carmelo Anthony. I mean, Anthony mm -hmm. Simons got the minutes in, instead of Gary Trent Jr., and that's what I don't understand, and I, that shouldn't happen. I mean, Simons may be a nice young player. Maybe he has a bright future. I don't know. But Gary Trent Jr. is good right now. So play him. I just, I, that's what this is about. It's not about Mello versus Trent Jr. The reason Mello ties in is because Gary Trent's best game came when Mello didn't play. Yeah. That, that's where the Mello tie-in really comes in. And that Mello, in those first two games, did not play that great. The Utah game, he came off the bench, and he was, he was putting up his shots. He got the ball. He was shooting it. And he wasn't shooting it well at the beginning of that Utah game. That's one of the reasons the Blazers fell behind so early with that second unit was because Carmelo was putting up shots and he wasn't making them in the first half. And so when you're giving up defense, which the Blazers know they're doing with that lineup, Melo has to be making shots because if he's not, the offense is stagnant, which we've seen so far. And you're not, you're not going to make up the points on the offensive end if he's making shots. And I'm going to defend the overreactors here. 
Let's hear I'm it. I'm gonna defend him. Here we go. What, what else are we supposed to react to? Like we got <laughs> we got four games. Like what else are we supposed to react to? I can't react to games 39 and 40 three months from now. This is what we have to react to. This is the sample size we are given. And so I'm gonna defend them in that. And then, like you said, Orlando, this was something we all kind of thought was brewing potentially before the season was how is Melo going to adjust on the bench? And so when he comes out and doesn't play that well, and then Gary Trent Jr., for whatever reason, doesn't play a ton, and then the one game Melo sits out, Gary Trent Jr. almost puts up a 30-burger, you're wondering, you know, it just it, it brings that to the forefront. And the fact that the Blazers played so well against the Lakers also brings the mellow question into the forefront. I'm with you guys. I think this is going to be massaged out. I think, you know, in a month, we're going to laugh that we even had this conversation. But for the time being, this is what we have to react to. And so I'm going to defend those people. Orlando, you're right. They probably had their opinions of mellow ready to go. And this was just <laughs> affirmation of it, you know. But I'm going to defend them. Like, what else are we supposed to react to right now? I mean, I just think it's like it's it's the magnitude of the reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to harp on Melo's shot selection or something like that, fine. And he's a smart player. He's going to figure that out. But, like, to say that, like, we can't play Carmelo Anthony now, even in a reserve role, I mean, we're not the Houston Rockets. Let's not do that. Oh, man. I think yeah. the Houston Rockets, the lineup the Rockets threw at the Blazers on Saturday, they would have loved them to have Melo on that <laughs> team. He would have been their third best player, fourth best player. <laughs> Man, I just know as soon as he went 0 for 5 in that first half, the anti-Mello crowd was foaming at the mouth. Like, they were so charged up because they had this, uh, you know, for the past, since since Mello basically agreed to come back to the team. And I don't think anything's going to change that. Like, once people yeah. are set on their opinion on certain things, like, there's no coming back from it. And I think that's where we are with that. But I, I love it, and I, I, I think that it, it will get figured out. So, guys, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Nate. I was just going to point out one last thing statistically, obviously small sample size and individual defensive offensive rating is obviously influenced by who you're playing with, but Melo has the worst defensive rating on the team. Not surprising. Also has the worst offensive rating on the team. Yep. That can't happen moving forward. Oh, that's fair. But the Blazers haven't been good as a team in any of those stats either. Correct. So. <laughs> but he's the yeah. worst of the worst. I know. <laughs> I know. I have, a, I have a feeling we might be able to get one more podcast out on this topic. I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, but let's move on. It's prediction time. The Blazers play three games between now and next time we meet. They play Friday where uh, we got a sneak peek at the locker room that Ennis Cantor's hanging out at, uh, at the Warriors, and then Sunday again at the Warriors, and then Tuesday at home against the Bulls. So which games do the Blazers win and which games do the Blazers lose? Dude, we didn't even get to do this in the in the season preview podcast. Got so caught up with everything. I forgot we even do this. Oh, yeah, man. Feels good to jump back into this pool. Uh, I, I did it on my own, and I was a perfect 4-0. I, yeah, I'm sure you were. Uh, I'm sure you were. Uh, anyway, I'm going to say they go perfect 3-0. And oh, nice. They, they should. I mean, the Warriors, I'm already out on my Warriors being a playoff team pick. Last year, I was out on them being a champion a weekend. I'm out on them being a playoff team. The first flip-flop, ladies and gentlemen. Completely out on the Warriors already. (laughs) Completely out. They've gotten stumped twice, granted maybe by the two best teams in the East. And they squeak by, what, the Bulls and the Pistons 
Like, yeah. I'm out on the Warriors, completely out on that team. So the Blazers should beat them twice. I get that these little two-game series so far that we've seen through the first week of the season have mostly been splits between teams. Uh, but the, the Blazers are a better team. The Warriors are no good, and they should beat the Warriors twice. And the Bulls may be the worst team in the NBA right now. They should also go in, beat them, and start piling up these wins that we've talked about here. Get on a little roll. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors are bad. Uh, there's two teams. There are two teams in the NBA with a worse net rating than the Blazers. The Warriors have the worst net rating in the NBA. That's mostly because of those two big blowouts uh, to start the season against the Nets and the Bucks by a combined 65 points. That's a rough way to start your season. And like Nate said, they then eked out a one-point win against the Bulls and beat the Pistons by 10. But Steve Kerr said Monday that he is hopeful Draymond Green will make his regular season debut Friday against the Blazers. And Draymond Green, he's not the Draymond Green that he was, but he's going to help this Warriors team a lot on both ends of the court. So I'm going to believe Steve Kerr that he'll be back this weekend, and so I'm going to give the Blazers a split because of that. I think they'll win Friday, and then Sunday I'm going to give the Warriors the win against the Blazers. I still believe in Steph Curry, and you put Draymond Green back in there. I think the Warriors are better than what they've shown so far. The Bulls are not. They are 1-3, and three, bad offense, mediocre defense. They're pretty much the same team as last season, except for they have a kind of interesting rookie now in Patrick Williams. The Blazers swept the Bulls in both games last season, so give them another win. So it's a 2-1 and one week for the Portland Trailblazers. As Nate soon as, has been shaking his head the yes. entire time I've been talking. I'm glad you pointed that out because that's I all I'm mute, there I don't think I've ever seen anyone shake their head more than that. <laughs> I had to mute myself from to make sure I didn't like break whatever you're going to say. Jared, you're the person who picked the Blazers to be the two seed in the West. You said they were going to get up to like a 15 and three start. And you're saying they're going to lose to the Warriors who may have Draymond Green, who we haven't seen really be effective in, in a while. You have to adjust to what you've seen at the start of the season. Right now, the Blazers are not an elite team. But neither are the Warriors. What have you I seen know, from the Warriors? But I want to see what the Warriors are with Draymond Green because the other thing, and I mean, I, I know that they played the Bulls and the Pistons, and both of those teams are bad, but Steph Curry was horrible in the first two games, and he's been really good in the, in the last two games. And I don't think it's just about opponent. I think that he's, he's back. And any team with Steph Curry, I'm still going to believe that that they can be a playoff team. Steph Curry is incredible. So yeah, Man, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna give the Warriors right. one. Rip Rip City deserves to freak out if they lose either of those games to the Warriors. <laughs> they just that, that Warriors team is not good. You almost swayed me on my prediction there, Nate. But uh, I, I'm oh I'm no, gonna, what you're doing? This, no, I'm I'm no dipping way. my foot slowly into the water. I'm not oh, diving no. into that three and zero water right there. Oh. Well, I, I need things to heat up a little bit before I can comfortably get in the water. Is so, it because Kent Bazemore and Bazemore Island's over there with the Warriors? <laughs> he's not I'm, even playing. Not I'm so scarred by Kent he's Bazemore. Racking, he's racking up DMPs. <laughs> he but, should uh, be racking up DMPs. <laughs> man, Steph Curry uh, is just way too comfortable when he plays the Blazers. Yeah. Like, there is always one game where he is going off. And he is a player that makes everyone around him even when his team is bad. Um, so I just don't feel comfortable enough in the Blazers and picking a, a sweep in a week, even though this is super favorable. But uh, yeah, they're beating the Bulls and they're splitting 
they're splitting with the Warriors. Two and one. Hey, I'll give you this. I wouldn't be surprised if the Blazers beat the Warriors twice. I just I haven't seen enough from this Blazers team to trust that they're going to do that enough to pick it that way. Yes. As Nate would say, show me. <laughs> I gotta see it. There's one I, thing I about the Warriors that I didn't I didn't see before the season that has become more evident to me. I think that they are going to be a really bad defensive team all season long. I mean, even if you get Draymond Green back, that means they still just have like one good defensive player in their starting rotation because Curry's a bad defender. Wiggins is a terrible defender. Oubre is not a good defender. And Wiseman, who I like and is a fun rookie, he's lost out there on the court, even though he's got, a, you know, a, a great uh, just natural talent. He just doesn't know what he's doing out there. So he's not a good defender. So, yeah, I'm still going to stick with that one and one. Man, you say show me. I say show me to Golden State in Chicago. Like, again, <laughs> like, yes, you're right. The, Bla- the Blazers went and beat the Lakers, at least, with AD and with LeBron. What have Golden State in Chicago done so far this season? So that that's kind of my – I tell you what, if they go two and one, like, unless the two wins are blowouts and the loss is close, like, I'm probably going to feel – about the same that I do right now about them if they go two and one next week like the expectation should be for this team that they win all three of these games and you want to hear their schedule for the rest of January where they should be piling up all these wins yeah so after those three they play Minnesota at home who is the other team with the worst net net rating than the Blazers so far this year they played the Kings on the road Kings off to a good start but you know early on the Raptors who are off to a terrible start the Kings again on the road the Pacers Good start, but definitely a team the Blazers can beat. Same with the Hawks. Then they get the Spurs, the Grizzlies twice, perhaps without John Morant, the Knicks, the Thunder, the Rockets, and the Bulls. That's who they play in January. Like, they should clean up in January. Absolutely clean up. Here's the thing. If they lose one of these games to the Warriors because they're still figuring things out, and then they run through that schedule because they could, 15-3, and baby. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, we'll see. We'll see, my friend. Yeah. I, I'm one thing, one thing I'm happy about is that I'm at least going to take the lead from you guys here early on <laughs> when the Blazers win these next three games. Please yeah, keep they, that energy next week, Nate. If, when, when we're talking and they're two and one, I want to hear all about it. Yeah, As well, a you're going to be hearing hear all about how badly they, they played, not how good Golden State was because <laughs> Draymond Green was back. <laughs> oh, guys, it, it's so good to uh, – Close out 2020 with a bang. Uh, this was such an awesome podcast today. Um, yeah, we started off so great. well, and then it ended with me complaining about yeah. the Golden State Warriors or ranting about the Warriors for five minutes. So we really went off a cliff here at the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was it, it wasn't going to get any better than that. We all knew that. But this is why we need Max. We need him to save us with Rip It here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, yeah, Max. We, we miss you, Max. Um, I guess that does it for the pod in 2020. We'll be back better than ever in in 2021. And hopefully the Blazers play as well as our podcast will be in 2021. (laughs) Take care, guys. Good seeing you again. You too.